of his work. Luke chapter 10 uh, here this morning, and uh, we're going to read, a, I think, for, for some of us, a familiar story. Um, it's uh, an answer to a question that someone asked Jesus. Um, and so we're looking here at verse 25, and uh, Jesus is going to answer this question uh, with a story. And I think by the end of the story, the question is well answered. And so uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who's my neighbor? And Jesus answering and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And now starts a couple verses of a lot of action. He saw him and had compassion on him. And then the action starts. Verse 34, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast. And brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. We might say, Go, and you be the good Samaritan, was the answer to this lawyer. Briefly this morning, I'd like to look at this topic, Don't Pass Me By. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this privilege to be in your house here this morning. We thank you for what is going on downstairs as your word is being taught uh, to uh, young children, building in them the accounts of Scripture, building in them a confidence uh, in God's Word that uh, we trust they will take with them throughout their whole life. And as they grow older and difficulties come and problems come, they'll have a foundation. We're thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to gather and fellowship and sing and now hear uh, your Word. We ask, Lord, that you do a work here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this account reminds us um, of the way life is today, and that's life is filled with problems for many people. One of the questions asked in our Sunday school class this morning is, uh, do you have any problems or, or struggles or difficulties in your life right now? Boy, we could pass around that question to every one of us, and we could start talking and go for quite a while. They're, they would be different, maybe different degrees, but difficulties and problems and sometimes turmoil, affliction, 
that comes into everyone's life. And we have here a man uh, that uh, is a story, uh, one, one of a thousand stories that could be told about this trouble that came into this traveler's life. And uh, here, when the account picks up, he's been robbed and he's left, the Bible says, for half dead. He's just simply desperate. And uh, if things go on as they have started here, he'll soon die and no one will remember him. His uh, body will lay there and simply decay unless there happened to be some help. This path that this man was on was between the cities of Jerusalem and Jericho. By the ancient writers, it was called the Bloody Way because of how frequently robberies would take place on this road. Uh, Furthermore, we'll see that this road wasn't only the Bloody Way, it was also a way that religious people, particularly those of the priestly line, would pass by to get between these two cities. But in this story, we learn of two men that pass by this helpless traveler. There, there might have been more people pass by, but we know of these two because God wants us to know about these two men. And what we know about these two men that passed by, as well as the one that stopped, what they had in common was this. All three of them were brought to a place where somebody had a real need. And just like those three men, every single one of us in our life, on a day-to-day basis, we inevitably are going to be brought in the presence of somebody that has a need. Sometimes the needs that we realize are from our fellow believers, our Christian brothers and sisters, and they have needs. They need someone to care enough about them to pray for them faithfully and consistently. Maybe to care enough about them to check in on them and ask how they're doing or provide something for them. Also uh, highlighted today in our, um, in our Sunday school class. But certainly, there's another need that we'll come in contact with as we just go about our daily life, and that's uh, people that are in need of uh, spiritual help and in need of the answer to uh, where will I spend eternity. And so these three men have this in common. They all pass by a place of need. And a place of need can really be looked at as a place of opportunity for God's work to be done. And so, dad, mom, teacher, bus worker, employee, whoever we are in whatever role we are at at that time, God is going to put us in a place of need frequently. The cry of those that we pass by that are in need might not be verbalized with their mouth. But for many people, contrary to what we might think, their cry is this, don't pass me by. I don't know that this wounded traveler had the ability at this time to even speak out. Just simply trusting that someone would have a heart of mercy and compassion and see his need and just do something about it. The first two men that passed by were those that, by the account here, priest and Levite, were in the service of Jehovah. They were God's servants. Though, as we saw at the end of the story, we kind of doubt if they were anything more than talking a talk rather than actually walking the walk. It's probable this priest that passed between these two cities, Jericho and Jerusalem, 
uh, it's probable that he had fulfilled a month's work of service at the temple in Jerusalem and was passing back home to Jericho, which at this time was known as a city of priests. He, during, if this is the case, during that month at Jerusalem, at the temple, he would have been working very closely with the things of God uh, during that month. The sacrifices, the singing of the psalms, and the offering up of prayers. He was so close to the work of God at the temple, at the place of God's worship, but for some reason that didn't translate into putting what the temple was about, the mercy of God, the picture of uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and what he would do, didn't put that into play when the need of opportunity and someone in need was laying on the road right before him. A guy so close to the, to, to, to the, to the place where God's work was done, but it's as though it stopped at the building and didn't become a part of his life and didn't translate into the people that are outside of that building. These places of need that he, uh, that he these people in need that he passed by. Hosea 6.6 6 says this, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. It came to a place God several times in the Old Testament through the prophets said, yeah, you've got a temple there, but you know what? All these feasts and these observances that you're doing, they're nothing more than just formalism. It's no further down inside of you than anything. I want to see mercy. I want to see your heart. I want to see this put into play. I want to see you reach down and be uh, godly and be like I am to people that are in need. Romans 12.1 says, present your body a living sacrifice. I'm not talking about bringing a lamb to the altar and walking away and all oh, that's all done as far as in the Old Testament. Maybe in our day, it's, it's not just coming in and, and finding a spot in the pew and whew, now I've taken care of my... Uh... So I love the theme. All right, it's a great theme, Join Our City. And again, in Sunday school, it was shared uh, by two men in, in the class this morning that uh, when they went to their place of employment with just a deliberate mindset, I'm going to be joyful and show the joy of the Lord, that actually spread among those that are at work. And so uh, to, to say, I'm going to make a mess out of this, it's just, that's just an excuse. And uh, maybe the priest looked behind him and saw that Levite off in the distance and said, oh, you know what, he'll stop. There's somebody else that will take care of that. Maybe he just wanted to pass that off. True need. There are some areas in our life that we dare not pass by because people in these areas of our life are always going to be calling out, please don't pass me by. The first area that we dare not pass by is our children. It's very important for parents to raise and train their children, to bring them up is what the Bible says, to not neglect them. A child left to himself bringeth his mother shame. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 6 the importance of uh, teaching our children uh, in the morning and the evening and throughout the day as we're doing things together um, with them. Without priorities and work, a parent can end up, maybe sometimes unknowingly, just passing by critical months, weeks, even years 
of their children's life. Another area that we should never pass by is the area of lost souls. Because certainly, lost souls are all around us. And we have our schedule, we do have our days, and we do have places to go and places to be at, things to take care of. However, through the course of the day, God is going to put people in our way that we very may well be the only hope that they have to hear something about the Lord, to get a gospel track in their hand. Uh, I was very convicted about this. Actually, on Monday, uh, this past Monday, um, we, have a, we have a basketball team at our college. I don't expect any of the guys real soon to go pro out of our program. I mean, maybe somebody will shock us. But uh, we're working on actually making baskets prior to we uh, turn them over to the NBA scouts. So anyway, all that to say is we go out there, we work some, and we try to have a good time and, and keep a good testimony uh, and have some good fellowship. So, uh, but anyway, we had a basketball game. It was in Fort Wayne uh, at, a, at a, another uh, school that we've played all the way since I've been in college, which is a long time ago. I gra- came to Fairhaven in 1990. And so I remember going up there um, during uh, college, and we get to this uh, gym, or playing this team, and when there was one referee there, he, I'm just saying, I'm not sure where they, where they gave him his license from. I had an idea, but, uh, you know, he wasn't seeing the th- same things the way that uh, our coach was seeing things. And so, uh, you know, our coach kind of pointed that out, and I will say he pointed it out pretty vigorously, and... Uh, he was sent to the locker room. So we had to play the rest of that game without our coach. And uh, that same referee still refs there. And so when we go up there, last couple years, I'm telling the guys, man, we're going to play this team. And that same ref, he's been refing there for 30 years. He kicked our coach out when I was playing. And every time we go there, man, my blood pressure after about like two minutes, like here he goes again. He's doing the same thing. So I have warned him about this really bad ref. So we go up, and we're playing, and uh, we, we go into halftime. I didn't have a whole lot at halftime to say to the guys, and so got, got them settled, and I come back out. There's nine minutes left in halftime before the second half starts. And I walk over to our bench, and I sit down. And I look over, and there's that ref sitting by himself on the bleachers, just drinking some water. And then the Holy Spirit just clubbed me on the head. He said, you know what you have in your pocket? So in, in my pocket, I had uh, Amazing Grace, a true story, a track written by uh, uh, Dave Olson, the man in our uh, church and college. And it tells the story of John Newton and how the song Amazing Grace was written, and then it goes right into the plan of salvation. It's a very easy track to give. Actually... There's a lot of tracks that are easy to give out, but that was sitting in my pocket. And I'm looking at the clock, and there's eight minutes left. And I knew this guy's kind of like, I've made him out to be the enemy, right? He is a totally, he's the enemy of our school. He's hindering us from success in the basketball program. And the Lord's like, man, your excuses are sorry. So I got up, walked over, sat down beside him. We started to talk. First time I've had a conversation with him out of hello and goodbye before and after the games for all these years. Gave him the track, started talking about the Lord. You know what I found out? That he's just a guy. 
And he's a guy, like all the rest of us and all the rest of the guys and ladies out and about, that are going to have to face an eternity one day in heaven or hell. And I thought to myself, driving back home, that'd be a pretty poor excuse when I get to heaven someday and say, well, I didn't give him a track because he was a bad ref. But you know what it, found, what it just reminded me? How easy it is to make excuses. And how easy it is for us to forget about, man, I'm the priest, I'm the Levite, I'm the basketball coach. People need not to be passed by. The Holy Spirit said, don't pass him by. So um, Jesus didn't see people as a herd of cattle. He saw them as individual sheep with no shepherd. Jesus was busy. In uh, Matthew chapter 9, he was busy. He was battling against the Pharisees who were saying, you know what? You, what you're doing, you're doing by, by uh, Beelzebub. You're, 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 a, you're a prince of the devils. And Jesus left that conversation and went out in verse 35 into the cities, villages, teaching, preaching, and healing. And while he was out in the cities doing that, something happened. And in verse 36, he stopped. The Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion. So in that verse, Jesus is out serving God. He is teaching. He's preaching. He's healing. And as he's doing that, he's not saying, man, he's trying to hurry up to get back home. Or he's irritated with them because some aren't listening. He stopped and then he saw when he went out and was doing God's work, he saw even more multitudes. And had compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherds. As we are out doing God's work, God's going to lay even more of the burden and the need of his work on us. As we're out and we see the multitudes, we start to see them not as, hmm, are they liberal or conservative? But are they sheep with no shepherd? Where will they spend eternity where will they be and things start to make a little more sense spiritually to us that way how we see people determines our actions toward them William Carey got to India and it was difficult um, for a long time Um, he uh, had a co-worker with him named John Thomas John Thomas was a funny guy but he was a medical doctor uh, he had some strengths, people's strengths. He had some weaknesses, finances, among other things. Seven years passed by before William Carey had made really any inroads as far as the gospel in, in people's lives in India. How many times did he talk to people and get rejected? Over and over and over. Seven long years in this foreign country. How many floors did he sit on? And talk to these people about a God they'd never, some of them, heard of. And nothing happened. Till one day, a man with a dislocated arm shows up at the door. And uh, William Carey's co-worker, John Thomas, the medical doctor, is able to reset his arm. And as he's doing that, he begins to talk to him about the Lord. And about the God of heaven. And about his son, Jesus Christ. 
And soon enough, uh, Krishna Pal is saved and baptized and became the first convert of William Carey. And William Carey worked and worked and worked and worked. And then someone came with a physical need and went away with their spiritual need being met. And that launched the ministry for many, many, many more people being saved through the ministry and the outreach of William Carey and his co-workers there in India. Our children, souls. Another thing that we dare not let pass by is, number three, is our time. Our time. It comes, and once it passes by us, it is gone. Never to be reclaimed again. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming has the idea of purchasing it on purpose. Resolving to do something definite with the precious gift of our time that comes and that goes. Lastly, we dare not pass by our sin. When we sin, the Bible says, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. If we just ignore our sins and we start to make excuses for our sins before we know it, uh, we've grown cold and we've backslidden in our life that could have been and should have been used for the things of God ends up being far from what it should have been. In conclusion, the Bible says in Lamentations 1.12, ask this question, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Is it nothing to us as parents when we pass by the time and the training we should be investing in the lives of our children? Is it nothing to us when we just get used to passing by people unconcerned about their souls? Is it nothing to us when we let our time and uh, pass by and our sins lie unconfessed? Is it, is it nothing to us? Are we unaffected by that? Let me say this. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, He has not passed you by. He knew you, and He went to the cross and gave His life so that you could be saved. He came to die for every single person that has ever lived on the face of this earth. That includes you and me. The Bible word is whosoever. He died for all of us. He died for you. Not just for all of us as a group. He died for you as a person. If you'll come to him today, turn from your sins and put your faith and trust in him, he will save you. He will give you uh, a new nature and he'll give you a home in heaven with him eternally. Jesus has never passed any person by. If you don't know him today, I encourage you, at the time of invitation, come forward and someone will take the Bible. And they'll show you how you can get that matter settled today. We, my wife and I, were blessed to be a part of a, a bus route for, a, for 25 years. And I think Pastor Hoover helped us on that bus route. And uh, we were often, we'll just be talking about different things, but um, some of the greatest blessings that we have are people that uh, were on that bus route that uh, <clears throat> were found because just kind of out knocking on doors, uh, stopped by, saw somebody out, invited them out to church, and then, oh, they had a friend, and this friend came. And sometimes the first person that was coming to church stopped, but that friend <laughs> came and kept coming. And uh, so uh, it's just, the blessings are, are innumerable, but it does take time. It takes time. 
But uh, my wife was out one day, and a couple kids said, we've got a, there's a new boy in our school, and, he, and we think he might want to come to church. And so she took these two kids in the car, and they went across town, and she got introduced to a, about a seven-year-old boy and his grandmother. They were just moved to uh, the town of Laporte from the Robert Taylor Homes that used to be across from, uh, from uh, well, what used to be Comiskey Park, whatever it is, where the White Sox play. They had tried to leave this grandmother um, out of concern for her grandson, who she was uh, being mom, uh, mom for, uh, moved him into this little kind of country town, tried to give him a new start. And uh, so my wife met the, the boy and, and grandmother, and they said, we want to come. She said, well, we can pick up tomorrow. I said, we'll be ready tomorrow. And to make a long story short, they came faithfully for I don't know how many years. Other cousins and friends began to leave the city and move out there, and they started to come to church. And of that group, there's a young lady that started coming. She was in first grade and just stayed faithful to church. Never got in her Christian school, but she just stayed faithful to church, came to all the extra teen activities and, and uh, got out of high school and uh, faithfully started serving on our bus route herself. And God brought uh, her by a, a good man who... She saw saved. He started coming to church. He got saved, baptized, joined the church. And then he comes up to me a little bit later and says, hey, I'm kind of interested in this young lady. And uh, we did their wedding about three or four years ago. And they're faithful members today. They do not miss. And they are working on the same bus route that she started riding when she was in first grade that her cousin invited her to because there are people that need the Lord. And what a blessing it is to recall those, those, um, those events. Jesus does not pass us by when we have needs, does he? Has he ever told any of us, I'm too busy for you today, I'm, I'm going to try to let the guy behind me take care of that? No, the Bible says that uh, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. He will hear, he will answer our prayer. Jesus we can pray to him, <clears throat> we can pray to God the Father anytime, and he hears us. So today, the statement from this story, the question from the story is this, are we going to pass by, are we going to stop, move with compassion, and take care of what the opportunity that God puts before us? There's an opportunity today to turn from your sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you don't know him, do that today. If you're a Christian, let's examine some of these areas in our life. Have we, have we been doing a good job with our time or have we just kind of squandered it? Have we uh, been raising our children and, in the ways of God? Or we can improve that area. And what about, what about our heart for souls? Are we coming faithfully to these times where the church has set aside to reach out to others? Maybe we've been a little shy about that. Well, now's not the time to be shy about that. Trust God, pray. God will give you strength. God will give you boldness. There'll be people along here that can come alongside with you. You'll end a day out of witnessing with greater joy than when you started that day, I promise. There's great joy in knowing that God's word is going out God's, and people are being saved. We can be a part of that. Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. And... Uh, Saw here a, a story. Jesus answered a question. He answered a question. Who's my neighbor? Who am I responsible for? And the Lord uh, showed through that story that, um, you know, God's going to put people in our path 
God's going to put opportunities on our way. It's up to us to say yes to these opportunities, to take advantage of these opportunities that are before us, to see people like Jesus did, not as problems and irritations, but to see them as individuals. Maybe there's someone now on your heart that the Lord says, you know, I've passed by that person a few times, but, uh, you know, this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see them. I'm going to talk with them. I'm going to give them a track. I'm going give to give them a phone call, maybe give them an email, contact them, and, and uh, see if the Lord might not use that humble witness to make a difference. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me encourage you to get that matter settled today. If you're unsure of your salvation, get that matter settled today. You can be grateful that the Lord did not pass you by. He cares about you. He's died for you. He wants to be your personal Savior. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bless our time here of invitation, Lord. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your compassion and love for us. We ask God now that you'd work in this time with decisions that need to be made. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand at your seat with heads bowed and eyes closed.